conventions didn't stir something in your spirit. You need to take a trip back to where you lost God and renew that relationship within you because this no longer is about a political party. This is about light and darkness. This is about good and evil. This is about renouncing God and Israel. And if we can, the leaders of our nation can stand on uh, uh, national platforms and declare, we don't want nothing to do with God and we don't want nothing to do with Israel and it does not stir something in your spirit, then my friend, there's something wrong with your relationship with Christ. It doesn't matter to me if it's a Republican, Democrat, Independent, or Tea Party. Amen. That doesn't matter to me. What does matter to me is this, that we must remain remain one thing. You can do whatever you want to politically. You can do what, run whatever campaign you want to. But whenever you start renouncing my God and renouncing, the Bible says, he who forgets Israel, there's going to become an abomination and trouble's going to come. Then, my friend, I've got to stand for right. Light is being summons to come forth to take center stage and people must know that there is a right and there is a wrong. They must know that there is good and there is evil. Amen. That there is a God and there is a devil. Oh, I know nobody wants to talk about it, but I want to tell you there is a devil loose. There are principalities and powers of darkness that are working against this society. Amen. And we're not exempt from it. I know we're here in small little town, West Virginia. But has anybody watched the news? Every week, there's meth labs being shut down. Not in Huntington, but clothing. Within dawning distance of this steeple that stands tall upon this hill. We have people that are in bondage and in darkness and in trouble and in turmoil. And we can't be silent, but we must be a voice that is hurled through this region that says there is hope for you. There is deliverance for you. There is an answer for you. Amen. And God can bring you out of your trouble. Amen. People have lived in darkness all of their lives don't know that they're in darkness. They just maintain it that it is a way of life. But when you see the light, when you have hope, when you have joy, when you have had peace that is in us as believers of God, amen, there is another way. And we must tell them there is another way. We must tell them there is hope. We must tell them, yeah, I know that you've got problems. I know your difficulty, but we're all such were all of us. But we've been brought nigh through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we were in that bondage. We were in that trouble. But thank God somebody shown us the light one day that said you don't have to live this way any longer. It's not hard to be light in a dark place. You can light a candle in a pitch black room and one candle will light the room. My brothers and sisters, it don't take a lot for you to make a difference in this world. It's dark, gross darkness is upon the face of the earth. Amen. 
but there must be a remnant. There must be a people that will be the salt and the light of the earth. Amen. God hasn't given us a national platform, but he has given us a regional platform. And that region that he has entrusted to us, amen, and it's not that other people or other churches are not doing a thing, but we have a responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ to this region, amen. Jonah was called to a dark place to be a light. You probably know this story of Jonah, but let me just share a few interesting things that I looked at this story a few months ago, and uh, it is some things of interest to me. Theologians and historians believe that Jonah was the little boy that Elijah raised from the dead. You remember that? The woman that built a room onto her house and whenever Elijah would come by, he would stay there. And she has this child through uh, the power of the Holy Spirit working in her life. And the word of the Lord come to Elijah and said, this time next year, you'll have a child. Did so. Then he was out working in the field. He says, my head, my head. He dies. And she goes and gets Elijah. Right? And she brings him back and Elijah lays on top of him, breathes upon him and life comes back to him and he begins to live. Uh, it is believed that this is the little boy that Elijah raised from the dead. It is also believed that Elijah was mentoring him and teaching him and training him so that he could take his place. But God had a different plan. Amen. And even though that Elijah had imparted into Jonah's life and raising him up, uh, God chose Elisha and sent Elisha to be the predecessor of Elijah. And he sent Jonah to Nineveh. Jonah was called to Nineveh. Nineveh was a very wicked place. Jonah had to leave his comfort of home to go to Nineveh. Jonah had to this preconceived opinion of the city in his mind that they'll never repent, but then the city repents. And that's what I want to talk to you about in, in just so you can visualize it today, what I'm trying to say. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1 said, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah rose and went and to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And now Nineveh was exceedingly great city and three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Some, the second time that God speaks to Jonah, Jonah has a change of heart. He has a change of mind. This is after he has been swallowed by the great fish, right? Sometimes God has to get our attention. Sometimes, has anybody ever not listened to God the first time? All right, the rest of you, come on, we'll pray for you right now. We can't do anything with this many liars. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, all of us have missed God at some time or another, right? 
All of us have come to a place every once in a while where that we, God would impress something on us and we'd just say, I'm not so sure about that. And Jonah was in that place where that he didn't listen to God the first time, but the second time the word of the Lord came to him, he, he didn't waste no time. He covered ground. In fact, he moved at such a rate that what should have taken him four days to get there, he got to the city in one day. Amen. He was moving on because he realized time was of an essence. He knew something that everyone else in the city did not know. And that is in verse four, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be turned overturned. Amen. Jonah realized that in 40 days, this is the time limit that I have. This is the time frame that I've got. And after 40 days, if these people don't turn, They're going to be lost. They're going to be destroyed. Amen. We must reach this region by reaching our friends and our family members. Amen. And we must do it and do it now. We are saying, well, when the stars line up, when things get in order, when things come together, then when the right time. No, there's never a right time. The stars never line up. Things never get better. We must tell the message and tell it now. We must reach out to them and tell them the good news. Amen. We know what some of them are, uh, don't know. And that is that Jesus is coming soon. We know that there is, we, he is coming in an hour that we do not know. And I know that people say, well, pastor, I've heard that all of my life. I've heard Jesus is coming soon. You may have heard it all of your life, but you haven't seen the signs that you're seeing today. Whenever we go, whenever I would go to a city, you never go when you start out on a long journey, when you're going to, to Akron, Ohio, and you, you don't see signs for Akron in a hurricane. You don't see signs for Akron in Charleston, but the closer that you get to Akron, the more signs that you see. Amen. You get, you get over into Ohio and it'll tell you that Akron is 112 miles. You get into Canton and it'll tell you that Akron is 30 miles. But when you get between Canton and Akron, you'll see sign after sign. That Akron is just ahead. And I want to tell you that we have seen upon the landscape of our nation, we have seen signs here and a sign there. But we are seeing sign after sign after sign after sign that the coming of the Lord is near. Amen. I said the coming of the Lord really is near. And what we do, we must do quickly. We must reach the harvest. We must reach them, not only because the Lord is returning, but because of what I stated in the beginning, that no man is promised tomorrow. Amen. And so if there is not a tomorrow, they need Jesus. But if they're to live another 50 years, they need him even more. Amen. Why? Because if we're going to live in this present world, amen, and live a godly life, we need the power of Jesus Christ living on the inside of us. Amen. Let's look at some lessons here that we can look from Jonah. Jonah had to leave the place of comfort to go to the place 
that God directed him to go. Jonah lived in Israel. Israel was a godly place. He is sent to Nineveh, an ungodly place. Why is evangelism so uncomfortable? Why is it so that we many people don't even ask anyone or lead anybody to Jesus Christ? The statistics are alarming at the, the, uh, the amount of people that never witness or tell anybody about their faith. Only 3% of people in America have ever led anyone to Jesus Christ. After five years of being in relationship with Christ and in the church, after five years, only 1% of them ever tell anybody about Jesus. We have turned to this Hollywood spirit that hit, has hit the church where the, the preacher is the performer. And we want the preacher to do it all. But I want to tell you today that if you're waiting for me to do it all, then all that will be accomplished is what one person can do. But when we understand that we all have not only the great privilege of serving God, but we also have a responsibility of ministering for God. We can get more done together than we ever will by just one or two people. Amen. And so we all have this responsibility, but it is so hard. Why is it so hard? Because studies show that only 11% of the body of Christ operate in this office of evangelist. You remember in Ephesians 4, it talks about the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist that are given for the perfecting of the saints so that they can do the ministry, right? But yet we see that there is only 11% of the body of Christ that operate in this gift of evangelist. That doesn't prove uh, to me why that it is so uncomfortable. Yes, it does, because only 11% of the people operate in that uh, office of evangelists. But God expects 100% of the body to be a part of evangelism. You may never preach a message, let alone hold a revival or a crusade. Amen. But he has, everyone is expected to be an evangelist. Everyone is to be involved in evangelism. Where that every day that we live, that we shine forth the light, that our good works will glorify the Father which is in heaven. Amen. And so just like everyone is not called to be an intercessor, everyone is called to pray. Let me tell you, you may never intercede. You may never have a burden for other people. You may never pray in the spirit for people and things that you don't understand or even comprehend. But if you don't have a prayer life, my friend, then you will never exist as a Christian in this earth. You will be defeated. You must have a relationship and that in prayer. Even so, it is that we must have a relationship of evangelism where that we reach out and we let our light shine so that men will see our good works and want the Father that we have. Amen. Amen. Matthew 28 and verse 18, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Not everybody can hold a revival, but everyone can invite someone to the house of God. Amen. Not everybody can preach, but you can speak of the good things that God has done for you in your life. Amen. People say, well, I'm afraid I won't do it right. How can you mess it up? I mean, if you're telling a lie, you might mess it up. But when you tell the good things that God has done in your life, you can't go wrong, baby. It'll come out right every time. It may sound different. It may have different uh, little things added to it because you remember things differently at different times. But whenever you tell that truth, when you tell how good God has been to you, it's going to cause others to be drawn to the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. Second, Jonah had a preconceived opinion of what the city was. He didn't want to go because of its reputation. Before you get too hard on Jonah, you you need to know where he was sent. He was sent to a bunch of cannibals. He was sent to a city that still practiced cannibalism, where they killed you and ate you. Anybody want to go? It wasn't an easy task. It wasn't something that was lighthearted to just say, well, just go over there and see what happens. But his life was in jeopardy. Amen. Jonah had lost the understanding of his purpose because of the pressure of the moment. It isn't easy to stand up in a culture of today that is so dark and so wicked. I realize, my brothers and sisters, and very keenly aware of the society in which we live that causes you to make you feel as though that you're some kind of weirdo if you even say that you believe for morals, that you take a stand for righteousness. Amen? But you see, Jonah had lost that understanding of his purpose. Jonah's purpose was the same purpose that is our purpose. What is our purpose? It was laid out by Jesus Christ because our purpose is the same purpose of Christ. And that is in Luke chapter 19, for the Son of Man come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. The Word of God goes on even further in a challenge to us to challenge us to reach the unreachable. In Mark 2 and verse 17, he said, Those who are well uh, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. And so today, we are not looking for somebody that will agree with us. We're looking for those who are lost, for those who can't find their way. We're looking for those ones who are broken and those who are hurting. Amen. We're looking for those who are addicted and, and bondage of their life. You, you, I've never met anybody that has been bound that said, I, this is what I want to be the rest of my life. I never found anybody that has been in torment and trouble and in gross darkness that said, this is what I started out to do. I love this life. But I found a multitude of them that say, I don't know how I got here, but I don't know how to get out either. Amen. 
And we've got to be the light of the world. We've got to be a hope to a hopeless people that says, hey, friend, I know you're bound. I know you're broken. I know you're messed up. But I want to tell you, I would be in that same place if it had not been for Jesus who came into my life and turned my life around. Hallelujah. Amen. We look for those who are righteous. We look for those who are whole. And Jesus said, that's not who I come for. I've come for those who are sick. I've come for those who are broken. I come for those who are in turmoil in their minds so that they may repent and be changed. That's who we're looking for today. We're looking for those who are hurting, those who are broken, those who need change in their life. Amen. And we're going to push on that the next few weeks. This week, let our lives be purposeful. This week, invite somebody to the house of God. Be a witness in a dark place. Amen? Invite this region to come to the house of God. This Sunday. Amen. Our real life series starts next Sunday, but it's also intentionally planned because next Sunday is also the national back to church Sunday. So that we can have reason to be an evangelist. So that we can have reason to be a witness. And say, hey, they say, well, I ain't been to church in so long. Tell them, hey, it's National Church Sunday, back to church Sunday. You come on to church with me on Sunday. You got problems? Great. There's going to be a whole lot of people there with problems. Amen. Come on. Because there's answers. There's hope. There's healing, and it can be found in the house of God. I love the end result. The city repents and believes upon God, believes upon Jesus Christ. And in Jonah 3, verse 10, then God saw their work, and they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said and he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Amen. We are living in a day in which many believe there is no hope. We are living in a time that if we do not reach them, it it, it may be the Lord returns and it may be that they don't have a tomorrow. But either way, we need to reach them today with the gospel that is able to change their life. We have the truth. We have truth in our lives as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we do such a poor job of evangelism. You know what's the the fastest growing movement in America today? It's not Christianity, it's Muslim. You don't have to believe me. Get on your computer, look it up. You'll see where that it is growing in great proportions all over America. 
And yet we have the truth. And we're afraid to tell it. We have the truth that is able to set men free. We're the only ones that have a risen leader. And yet we're silent about it. But I'm here today to tell you that we have to rise up in this hour and the church must become the church. Amen. The church must become the church. And we must tell people there is hope in Jesus Christ. Now look, I've been preaching all summer to the church. I've been preaching my guts out around here. Every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, if you haven't got it by now, then get on the computer, listen to the the series on Acts, listen to the series on Momentum, amen, and get that in your spirit and let your life change. But now I'm turning my focus and we as a church, I've been, if you don't know it, I've been being an evangelist to you to get your faith up and get your momentum up so we can go out here in this region and be a Jonah and turn these people's lives around. Amen. And so while we haven't had a series of meetings on weeks in, I have been evangelizing and imparting the truth to you and stirring your spirit every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, so that we can rise up and we can be hope, that we can be salt, that we can be light in a dark world, amen, and let them know that their life really can be changed. Amen. We're going to focus on soul winning, letting people know there is hope. A real-life series will include week one, worry, fear. We're going to be talking about a life of regret. We're going to be talking about hurt, real-life issues that people are dealing with every day. And we're going to do it in illustrated form. We have about 25, 30 people that are helping us, and we're going to be doing that in illustrated form for the next three weeks. Why? Because they tell me that the retention rate of something when it is illustrated goes up uh, by 40% over just speaking something. And I want this, the people to understand that and get it in their mind, get it in their spirit so that when they leave here, it don't just leave them, but the word of the Lord will stay on them. Amen. And empower them to have real life change. Amen. We're living in a day when so many are trying to find the answer that they're searching for. And they've searched in a lot of places. Don't blame people whenever they're searching and can't find it. Show them the way. Have you ever been looking for something and found something else? You lost your car keys only to find a book you lost a month ago. Right? You lost your favorite cup and you go to looking for it and you find your glasses. People are searching today. That's the reason why we have an epidemic of drug addiction. Because they're searching. And in their search, they've relied and depended upon drugs. In their search, they have gotten themselves into ungodly soul ties and relationships. In their, in their search, they've even tried religion. But what we must focus them on is a relationship with a real living Jesus Christ. Amen. And accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. We're living in a day when many people think that there is no way. 
that God could love them. They've been told by society, they've been told by people over them that God doesn't care and there really is no God and he doesn't love them. But we're going to show them the love of God. And we're going to believe the Holy Spirit to impart and penetrate their hearts till their lives can be changed for real. Amen. Time is of an essence. We must capitalize upon the season in which we are in. It's not time for us to call an evangelist to do a revival. But it is time for each of us to be a part of evangelism in which we reach somebody and make a difference in their lives. Let's capitalize upon this week. Will you help me? Let me give you a challenge today. We have made up flyers to help you in evangelism this week. On the top part of that will be our sermon series on real life, dealing with real issues. On the bottom part of that, it reminds people that this Sunday coming is National Back to Church Sunday. And we want, I want to challenge you to give that to three people, just three people. Three of your friends, three of your family. If you don't have three friends or three family, then give it to three enemies. Whatever you have to do to be an evangelist. Whatever you have to do to reach out. Whatever you have to do to give hope to somebody that's hopeless. And let them know there really is hope in Jesus Christ. On your way out today, our frontline team will have those available for you. And I pray that, that you'll just do more than say yes this morning, but I pray that you'll take advantage of this opportunity that we have to be evangelists and reach out to those who are hurting so their lives could be changed. Wouldn't you want to know if somebody had a way out for you? Wouldn't you want them to tell you? As they come and help me this morning, in closing, let me just tell you here this morning that time really is of an essence. If you're here this morning, then yes, Jesus Christ really does love you. If you're here this morning, he really did die upon a cross so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. He really did rise on that third day so we all could have life and have it more abundantly today. So if you're here today and you find yourself in a tough place, you find yourself in a dark place, you find yourself today not knowing Christ as your personal Savior, then don't wait till next week, but call upon him today. Make today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time and old hour. And so today... While the spirit beckons, while the spirit calls today, while you have heard truth and your heart has been touched and you feel that beckoning of the Lord, you may not know what it is if you haven't ever been in church, but it's that pulling in your heart. It's that beckoning in your mind. That's the spirit of God that's drawing you and wanting you to know your life can be different than what it has been. There's only one other thing that you have to do, and that is you have to answer the call. And he says, if you'll call upon me, 
I'll cast your sins as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against you any longer. Sometimes religious people make it so hard and complicated, but Jesus made it easy. He said, if you'll acknowledge that you're a sinner and need a savior, if you'll believe upon me that I am the Lord Jesus Christ, that I died, that I was buried, that I rose again. And then if you'll confess me as Savior and Lord of your life. It's not in the acknowledging. It's not in the believing. But it's in the confessing. He said, then you shall be saved. It's not good enough to acknowledge that we need a Savior or there is a Savior. It's not good enough to believe upon Jesus Christ. A lot of people believe, you'll find very few people that don't believe that Jesus Christ lived in this earth. But it's when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died upon the cross, was buried and rose again, and you accept him as your Savior and your Lord. It is then that you are saved. Would you stand with me today, please? I don't know where you may be in life. You may be here today and say, Pastor, I've known God as my personal Savior, but I've drawn cold and indifferent. I don't have that relationship today that I once had. Get it right with God today. Make this the day that you commit your life afresh and anew. Maybe you're here today and you've never known Christ as your Savior in all of your life. But I'm telling you today, there's hope in Jesus Christ. And what you cannot do for yourself, Jesus Christ can help you to have victory in every area of your life. As they sing something for us this morning, if that's you, I want to give you opportunity today to accept Christ as your Savior, to renew that relationship with Him. Let Him be Lord today. You can't share the good news with somebody else unless you have it yourself. So let's start here today at the house of the Lord. As they sing this morning, if you'd like to pray, won't you come this morning in Jesus' name?